Hello and welcome to a new episode of Vipers Voices, the podcast from the Desert Vipers, a team that plays in the UAE's own 2020 league, the DP World ILT20. The Vipers, through CEO Phil Oliver, Director of Cricket Tom Moody and Head Coach James Foster, are always looking to improve the already outstanding squad that's been assembled. And they've done it again with the news that leg spinner Nathan Souter has been added to the mix for Season 2. Coming up, we've got a terrific chat with the Durham leg spinner, who was one of the leading slow bowlers in short-form cricket in the UK in the 2023 season. He was part of Tom Moody's Oval Invincible side, alongside fellow Desert Viper Tom Curran, which won the men's 100. And he was superb for his county side in the T20 Blast, finishing as one of the top wicket-takers in that tournament, boasting a superb economy rate too. Added to that, Nathan's a superb fielder, and if you don't believe me, then have a look on YouTube, which boasts some fantastic catches from the 31-year-old. He's at the peak of his powers now, and he's all set to link up with the Desert Vipers, ahead of the action getting underway. Talking of which, before we hear from Nathan, just a reminder, the tickets are now on sale for all Vipers matches this season, starting with the team's opener against the Abu Dhabi Knight Riders on the third day of the tournament, Sunday the 21st of January, at the Dubai International Stadium. You can get hold of your tickets through the league's website www.ilt20.ae or at any Virgin Megastore in the UAE. Now, let's hear from Nathan. We've already mentioned Nathan's outstanding fielding and it's earned him a nickname from Tom Moody. As Tom might allude at some point, next time you have a chat to him, they call me the racing snake, or he does, so because I sliver around the outfield quite quickly and try to get myself involved. So yeah, I love fielding. I think it's more the enjoyment. I think I learned the enjoyment of it being a kid and I still find myself walking around the house throwing a tennis ball against the wall and, take, and catching balls. I'm not sure the fiancé is too happy about the noise at times, but it kind of, it's just little things like that, I think, that just keep me sharp. It's not even thinking about it and just catching my hand off the wall and just doing silly stuff like that, which helps them spectacular catches, I guess. Nathan and Tom have already worked together for three seasons at the Oval Invincibles, and Nathan says the presence in the Vipers' setup of the two-time ICC Cricket World Cup winner was the catalyst for his accepting the challenge of playing in the DP World ILT20. Had a call from Tom Moody saying, "Would I be interested to come out?" And it was a no-brainer. I couldn't be more excited to come and join the team. It looks like we've got a good bunch together already. I've had a few contacts with Foz and a few of the other coaches as well, so. I'm very excited to see how the season gets goes ahead. Tom's obviously backed me a lot and gave me a lot of support and, and belief in what I can do and just keeps giving me a bit of boost and um, I'm so glad to join another team he's involved in. Nathan's off the back of a spectacular season in 2023 that we've already touched upon and it's a season he talks about in detail during our chat. But he's also keen to sing the praises of his new county, Durham, the most northerly side in the UK, who've given him a new lease of cricketing life and the chance to flourish when he thought his professional career as a cricketer was over following his release by London County Middlesex. 
Durham have been really good with me. They've given me a lot of freedom around my training. So I do all my training down down south and then I pop up when I can and do my bits and pieces for Durham. But yeah, they've really been able to kind of let like kind of let me go, let me off the leash a bit and you hopefully you'll see the best of that hopefully when I come over to Dubai in a few weeks time just me being free and just allowed to play my own kind of game and just be happy if that makes sense. He's now looking forward to what the next couple of months has in store and Nathan knows who he's looking forward to going up against if he gets the chance. I'm excited to play against Pollard if that if the opportunity arises so I've never got to play against him and when he was at Surrey I think kind of missed him when I was at Middlesex so but that's what the extraordinary of the English game is they always get these big names in so you kind of been exposed a little bit before but I think when you've got a team stuck with superstars I, I love that challenge so I'm really excited to play against anyone really. One of Nathan's greatest strengths is his mindset and when it comes to his strategy in T20 cricket he's absolutely crystal clear. It's pretty simple T20 cricket. They try to whack you out the ground over cow corner 95% of the time. So I just try to keep it simple for myself. My plans are pretty simple. Hit the stumps, get the ball as far away from the left-handers as possible, and then just go from there. But it's going to be good to work with people that might have different ideas as well. But for me, I just have to keep it simple, and that's how I get my best results. The DP World ILT20 will be Nathan's first major T20 tournament outside the UK. And as he tells Vipers Voices, he's relishing the chance to do something special. I don't play much Red Bull cricket anymore, so this T20 leagues are kind of the pinnacle of my career now. So these are like, for myself, being a more of a white ball player now, you obviously want to expose yourself in these leagues and see how far you can go. Because then if you do well in these big tournaments around the world, then hopefully it opens up more chances to play for England and so on as well. That's Nathan Souter, the Desert Vipers' new leg spinner, and our chat with him is up next here on Vipers Voices. Nathan, thanks very much indeed for being with us here on Vipers Voices. It's a pleasure to have you here and it's a pleasure to have you in the Desert Vipers squad for season two. Now, tell us, first of all, how did the tie-up with the squad come about? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Yeah, obviously, I just had a call from Tom Moody saying, would I be interested to come out? And it was a no-brainer. I couldn't be more excited to come and join the team. It looks like we've got a good bunch together already. I've had a few contacts with Foz and a few of the other coaches as well. So I'm very excited to see how the season gets goes ahead. Talk to us about Tom Moody, because obviously Tom uh, is your coach at the Oval Invincibles. Uh, and I guess he's had a pretty big influence on you. Yeah, Tom obviously is the coach of the Invincibles, like you said. Yeah, he's had a, quite a positive impact on me. He's kind of backed me over the last three seasons at the Oval, which the first couple of seasons I didn't really do much. I kind of was a bit of a water boy and did my job and bide my time until last season. And then obviously we had a hell of a year lifting the trophy back in August. So yeah, Tom's obviously backed me a lot and gave me a lot of support and, and belief in what I can do and just keeps giving me a bit of boost. And um, I'm so glad to join another team he's involved in. You talk about the success you've had there with the Oval Invincibles. You actually come into this tournament off the back of perhaps your most successful domestic season yet in the UK. Let's list it. You were the joint highest wicket-taker in the 100 among spinners, along with Adil Rashid, so that's not bad company to start with. And you took uh, 11 wickets there, including a crucial one for 24 in the final against the Manchester Originals at Lords. And you were comfortably Durham's top wicket-taker 
in the T20 blast, 24 wickets at an economy rate of just 6.73. It couldn't have gone any better for you, could it? Um, yeah, it seems that way. But yeah, as obviously you still go for your peaks, peaks and troughs in T20 cricket. I think I had a few decent days out in the North group with Durham this or last season now. We're into the new year. But yeah, I, it couldn't have went any better than to top it off by winning the 100. It was, yeah, it was a pretty special year, to be honest with you. Talk to us about that uh, 100 final against the, the the Manchester Originals. We've We've had Tom Curran on previously here on Viper's Voices talking about it. And Tom, of course, was the architect of that win in many ways, was his incredible partnership with Jimmy Neesham. But what was the match like from your experience? Yeah, obviously I was batting quite low down the order and there's obviously we were wickets were falling and everyone was running around a bit bit like a headless chicken in the changing room trying to get down into the dugout. And I was pretty chilled to be honest with you. I hadn't even I was batting ten or eleven, I hadn't even got my pads on, I hadn't even got my clothes on. And then I looked across and we were five down for whatever, thirty odd. And Sam Billings and Sam Curran looked at me and like what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Like, get ready. You might have to bat. And I was like, ah, oh, we'll be fine. And then we didn't lose another wicket, I don't think. So I was just, I was happy. I was chilled. But everyone else was a bit panicking, but I was, I was so confident in the group because we had done it time after time for the season. Didn't matter. We had our backs against the wall. We always seemed to come out the other side. And Tom was, like you said, the architect that night, but he had been the architect throughout the tournament in other big moments as well. So it's nice to join up with him again because he's a big player in big moments as well and he loves to stand up and do the job. Well, you talk about the turnaround there and it's been an incredible turnaround for you actually when you think about it, hasn't it? Because I read at the end of the 2022 season, you'd been released by Middlesex. You weren't sure if you'd get another chance at professional cricket. What happened and and what do you put it all down to, this incredible turnaround for you over the last 12 months or so? I just put down to even like just the people that have been around me for the last 12 months, like my fiance, my agent, even probably even put down to a bit like down to Tom a bit as well, because I went into that the 2022 season of the 100 with not much game time behind me and ended up playing the last three games. And he kind of backed me and I did quite well. And it kind of gave me a little, at least gave me a little bit of a shot window for someone to have a look at me and go, oh, he's actually not that bad. And then it kind of just went on from there. And they're probably there. Durham have been really good with me. They've given me a lot of freedom around my training and not being in the northeast and supporting my partner in her job in down in london so i do all my training down down south and then i pop up when i can do my bits and pieces for durham but yeah they've really been able to kind of let, like kind of let me go let me off the leash a bit and you hopefully you'll see the best of that hopefully when i come over to dubai in a few weeks time just me being free and just allowed to play my own kind of game and just be happy, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, absolutely. But uh, obviously, leaving Middlesex in the first place, you've been there for, what, eight seasons, I think? Uh, how much How much of a wrench was that? Oh, yeah, it hurt a lot because that was kind of, I come across from Australia with an English passport and I played a bit of club cricket. And then I kind of joined up with Middlesex in 2014 and played there until I left at the end of the season before. So, yeah, it hurt because I didn't think at the time it was my time to go. But now I'm kind of thankful that I got to move on and I think it's opened up a lot more doors for me. So like like everything in life, you don't want to burn your bridges. I had to buy my time out at that se- end of that season and get to the end. And I still have great relationships with lots of players and coaches and stuff there as well, even though it didn't, it ended in a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. But I think that might have helped me in best, better stead for where I am at now. So I'm glad it's happened, if that makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, well, everything's going in the right direction now, and that's great to see now. 
Uh, a little bit of an aside, I read that your dad got up in the early hours of the morning in Sydney to watch uh, the, the final of the 100. Um, was that the case? And, and will he be getting up or, or staying up late to watch you in the ILT20? Oh, yeah. Um, he listens and watches and annoys mum when he's rolling around and listening to it on either BBC or whatever he can get his hands on to watch it. So, yeah. He definitely was up watching the final. I think they might have been all up that night. So it's always nice to know they're still watching and taking the interest in what I do. So it's good. So tell us, have you got any experience of playing in the UAE, even in pre-season? Yeah, I had 2016 or the start of 2017, Middlesex went out there to play the championship match. So I had, I think, a week in Dubai and a week in Abu Dhabi. So yeah, I've been out there and had a bowl and them kind of surfaces they're very flat and unforgiving if you bowl badly so it's going to be a challenge and something i i like i like but getting on the front foot even though if you're playing against some of the best players in the world so that's quite exciting and what are your expectations for the upcoming ilt 20 did you see any of season one and uh, and what's tom moody or any of the other coaches you've been in touch with told you um i didn't see much of season one other than tom's told me it's an exciting tournament he thinks I love it. So that was a pretty much a pretty much an easy one decision for me when he he reckons I can do quite well. So yeah, my expectations are quite not low, but I'm going to go there pretty much open mind and just see what happens and try to learn and try to get better. There's some amazing players on our side, so how I can use them players and the coaches and that to get better for for seasons to come and more tournaments to come. You're talking about the players there, but you'll also get the opportunity to work with Carl Crow, of course, the renowned spin bowling coach. He was coaching at the Manchester Originals during the 100, and uh, he was coaching uh, as well as with the Desert Vipers last season. He's been uh, very successful in the T10 tournament here in the UAE. What do you know of Carl, and are you looking forward to working with him? Yeah, I've come across Carl a couple of times when I was at Middlesex. So I've had a few conversations with him before and I had a couple of text messages not recently with him about the tournament coming up and how it's going to be a bit exciting to work with a spin bowling coach. You don't always get the that in the UK because it's such a it's a niche thing at times. Everyone, they're always often doing better things, the best spin bowling coaches in the country. So I'm excited to work with him. I've worked with him a little bit before, but it'd be nice to pick his brain for a month. That's what I'm looking forward to. And how reassuring is it to be coming into a dressing room that's got plenty of people you know already? I mean, as well as Tom Moody, there's Oval Invincibles teammate Tom Curran, strength and conditioning coach Darren Vaness, plus your Durham teammates, Bastoleda and Michael Jones. How much of a help is that? Yeah, I think that definitely helped me out because I've been a bit of an excitable character. So I can kind of hang off the side of them a bit and just let myself ease myself into the theme and not come in too hot because I have a tendency to be a bit overexcited sometimes. So it's nice to have people that I can I can fall back on and understand me as a person as well. So I'm really excited to see see them guys again and catch up with some people I really know well. Do you know many of the others in the dressing room? Only from watching TV, I think I've, there's a few Pakistani players and stuff like that, which I admire. There's a few spinners that I've been keeping my eye on. So it'd be nice to see some and work with some different people and challenge like different challenges of speaking to people who come from different cultures as well. So that I'm looking forward to that as well. Is there a particular player you're looking forward to coming up against this season? Obviously, David Warner is in the competition this term, but there are plenty of others as well, like Kyron Pollard, Chris Lynn, James Vince, and, and countless other fine players. It's a challenge, isn't it? But it, it's an exciting one too. 
Yeah, I, I think the blast is such an extraordinary comp because you get so much exposure to these big players. So going into this tournament, as obviously I played against a lot of these players already, but I'm excited to play against Pollard if that if the opportunity arises. So I've never got to play against him when he was at Surrey. I think kind of missed him when I was at Middlesex. So, but that's what the extraordinary of the English game is. They always get these big names in. So you kind of been exposed a little bit before, but I think when you got a team stuck with superstars, I, I love that challenge. So I'm really excited to play against anyone really are you a planner nathan someone who does a lot of work with the analyst or watches videos of opposition players or even yourself what does pre-match preparation look like for you i think it's changed over the last like few years i think but yeah for myself i, I like to plan i like to it's pretty it's pretty simple i think t20s I try to keep it as simple as possible. It's pretty obvious. I could go speak to anyone in the crowd and they could probably tell you where 95% of the people are going to hit it. They're going to hit it over cow corner or hit it straight. So I think that's pretty much the simple plan. That's a simple analysis of it. It's like you have to use out places on the crease and stuff like that. might work differently for other batters and stuff like that. But I do plan a bit. But like I said, 95, it's pretty simple T20 cricket. They try to whack you out the ground over cow corner 95% of the time. So... I just try to keep it simple for myself. My plans are pretty simple. Hit the stumps, get the ball as far away from the left-handers as possible, and then just go from there. But it's going to be good to work with people that might have different ideas as well. But for me, I just have to keep it simple, and that's how I get my best results. Now, what about your role in the side? What do you see your role as? Uh, And when can you bowl? Are you a a bowler who likes to bowl in the power play or the back end? Or do you have particular preferences or are you just happy to get a gig? Yeah, I'm just happy. If I get a gig, I'll be I'll be ecstatic. So, yeah, but I like, I love bowling. Like I was saying before, I love the challenge. So if I bowl the first over, I bowl the 20th over, I, it doesn't really matter to me. But, yeah, mainly I normally bowl outside the power play. But in the 100 this year, Tom challenged me to bowl in the power play a few times, which was running the gauntlet a bit at times. It was some one night it worked out well another night doesn't so yeah but work hopefully i'll take any role that's needed to do the job for the team so we can win now this will be the first overseas franchise league i think you're playing in could it be a shop window for future leagues i mean do you want to play in more leagues like this around the world yeah of course i think everyone does these days i think i don't play much red ball cricket anymore so this t20 leagues are kind of the pinnacle of my career now so these are like i love watching red ball cricket and i think it has a huge place in the game still but yeah i think for myself being a more of a white ball player now you obviously want to expose yourself in these leagues and see how far you can go because then if you do well in these big tournaments around the world then hopefully it opens up more chances to play for england and so on as well. Now, you've not played first-class cricket since 2021 or, or list A 50-over cricket since 2019, which you just alluded to there. Do you now consider yourself a, a specialist short-form bowler or, or do you still have ambitions in the, the longer form of the game? I'd probably say I've, I've probably turned the page there on the Red Bull stuff. I still like playing. If I get an opportunity, I played, I think, one game last year for the Durham second team in the Red Bull and I got got seven for and so I was like oh, I can still actually bowl but <laughs> it's just I think if I'm needed I'll play it's not something that's at the forefront of my mind at the moment but if the wickets and conditions suit I'd definitely still be interested to play but at the moment it's just I'm really concentrating on my white ball skills and trying to make them as best as possible and if the opportunity arises again then I'll give it another go and see how I get on. Now look we've seen how quickly spinners are being fast-tracked into the England setup at the moment there's Tom Hartley and Shoa Bashir getting call-ups for the test tour of India Rehan Ahmed got his chance in Pakistan last winter. 
Do you even allow yourself to think about that, given the year that you've just had with the the T20 World Cup around the corner later this year? Or is that simply a pipe dream and you're just going to focus on the ILT20 and uh, go wherever your form takes you? Yeah, pretty much. It's a pipe dream. You always, you want to play the pinnacles. The pinnacle is international cricket, I think, playing for your country or whatever, whatever it is for people. But yeah, obviously England have a vast amount of very, very good white ball spinners who've still got Adil Rashid. And I think he's not stopping anytime soon. He's only getting better and better. So I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And if the opportunity arises, then it'd be awesome. But if it doesn't, I'm just going to try to, like you said, concentrate on what's next. And that's the ILT20. So yeah, that's kind of at the forefront of my mind at the moment. Now, anyone who ventures onto YouTube can very easily find some pretty spectacular catches you've taken both in the ring and in the deep. Is fielding something you've worked particularly hard on? Uh, and where can we expect to see you fielding during the tournament, do you think? Um, yeah, I love my field. I love running around and getting involved. So, yeah, I mainly you probably see me running around the outfield. And as Tom might allude at some point, next time you have a chat to him, they call me the racing snake, or he does, So because I sliver around the outfield quite quickly and try to get myself involved. So, yeah, I love fielding. I think it's more in the enjoyment. I think I learned the enjoyment of it being a kid and I still find myself walking around the house throwing a tennis ball against the wall and take, and catching balls. I'm not sure the fiancé is too happy about the noise at times, but it kind of, it's just little things like that, I think, that just keep me sharp. It's not even thinking about it and just catching my hand is off the wall and just doing silly stuff like that, which helps them spectacular catches, I guess. I love that. Now, here we go. We're less than three weeks from the tournament. Are you all set? Yeah, definitely. I'm just building up nicely. Had a nice little Christmas break and getting back into it this week. So I just had a few days and ready to go again. So I'm getting excited to get out of this English weather. It's been horrendous the last couple of weeks. I don't think we've had a dry day in who knows how long. So it's been nice to get some sun on the back and we'll not be wet every 10 minutes. So that'd be nice. Nathan, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Take care, and we look forward to seeing you very soon in Dubai for the DP World ILT20, where you're joining up with the Desert Vipers. Thanks for having me. That's Nathan Souter, the Desert Vipers' new leg spinner, here on Vipers Voices. And that's your lot for another episode of Vipers Voices. Please feel free to give us any feedback or thoughts on the podcast. You can do that via email at media at thedesertvipers.com. And you can get all the latest news from the Vipers at the team's website, thedesertvipers.com, or via all the major social media platforms. Don't forget, too, that tickets are on sale for all Vipers matches and can be purchased via the ILT20 website or at any Virgin Megastore in the UAE. We'll be back soon with more Vipers updates as the start of the tournament draws ever closer. But in the meantime, this is Brian Murgatroyd, and as ever, thanks so much for listening.